down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome everyone, this is Karen Schoen, you're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Today we're going to take apart one of the other programs that the Great Reset is offering us, and that is depopulation. How do they intend to do that? Well, they have many mechanisms that they have put in place in order to be able to do that. And by they, who do I mean? I mean the globalists, the Democrats, the rhinos. Globalists are in both parties. Who are globalists? These are people who do not believe in America. They believe that the world should come together, that anybody can migrate any place, and that people should be governed by regions, not by individual countries. So therefore, what must they do? Well, Dennis Bernhardt, uh, he was part of the great, part of Klaus Schwab's team in the Great Reset. And what did he say? What exists must be destroyed so the new transhumanistic civilization that is carefully managed and controlled by the elite planners and rulers can be created. So they must destroy in order to recreate. And what are they destroying? Well, America is high on the hit list. How do they intend to do that? Well, by use of one mechanism, we talked about energy before, we talked about the destruction of the family, but now it's time to talk about medicine. And what do they do with our medicine? Because he who controls the medicine controls the people. And that's what they're after. Their desire for eternal life is incredible, and they will do anything to make that happen by merging people with machines. How does that work? Well, we're going to be seeing how that works as we progress in our lives, because by 2035, they expect to have all of this done. Many of the elite and rich are paying over a $100,000 for stem cell therapies, that help them look and feel 30 years younger. Now, where did the stem cells come from? Ah, could that be why abortion is so important? How does this affect our laws? What are mandates? Are they laws that we have to follow? Well, we're very fortunate today, and we have two wonderful gentlemen who have been taking up this issue and talking about it because that's what has to happen. 
the more we allow censorship, the worse things will become because in censorship, you only hear one side of the issue and you never get to make a choice. Although you're told you are making a choice, your choice is really the choice of what the government wants you to have. And that's the way choices under a dictatorship works. I'll give you a choice. You pick one of those that I have picked already. And that'll be your choice. There's no free thinking. And this is what is so important. But you can't free think if you don't know the laws and you don't know what's happening and you don't know what's going on around you. So that's why we have shows like this. And I'm so glad you're all listening. And I'm so glad you're sharing this information. Uh, we have two wonderful guests. We have Tom Altarek, and Tom is the state director of Move Freely Florida. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Can you tell everyone what Move Freely Florida is all about? Sure, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here. So Move Freely Florida is part of Move Freely America. We're in 31 states. We're a grassroots organization that focuses on state level uh, medical freedom issues. Uh, we train, equip, empower, encourage, and prepare constituents to have conversations with their state legislators about medical freedom laws in their state. And so that's, that's pretty much what our mission is. Many uh, citizens today are not aware of what their civic duty is and how that applies to their freedoms and uh, self-governance and states' rights and state sovereignty, the things the founders really uh, built this country on and believe were very, very important, and they, in fact, are. And it starts at the state's right, at the state level. So we feel very strongly about our mission, and we're in 31 states, and we're growing, and, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a slow process, but we're getting there. I think most people don't realize that every state has different has a different constitution and things happen differently in different states, which is why America is so great, because if I don't like what's going on in Oregon, I get to move to Tennessee or Florida or wherever. But the important thing is that we have to learn the constitution of our own state in order to be able to make sure that the people that we elect in our state houses follow the Constitution. So, Tom, thank you so much. We also have with us Sean McBride. And, Sean, you are an attorney. Uh, can you... And oh, you are the you are the president of the American Freedom Information Institute. Can you share with us what the Institute tackles? Yeah, our goal is to educate uh, people on freedom issues. So we spend a lot of time telling people about what laws are, how they impact freedom, uh, what laws would be better or worse for freedom. And then we also teach people how to be advocates. Uh, so to Tom's point on civic engagement, we say this is how you get in touch with your state rep. This is how you uh, write letters. This is how you talk to the media. So we help people. Uh, advocate for the freedom issues that they take up. So that's really our goal is to be an educational resource and to use that to empower people to take the actions that they desire for freedom. Oh, that is fantastic because most people don't understand that. And being a former history teacher, 
I can tell you that civics has been decimated in our textbooks, and most of our children have absolutely no idea the importance of knowing the law and being able to apply it. And this creates a huge problem. It creates a huge problem in a state of Florida where most people think that, for example, oh, I'm older. So I should go to Florida and I should live there. But some of the laws in Florida, the elder care laws, have nothing to do with what the people think they do. And they, in turn, really are more harmful in many instances than not. So, Tom, can you discuss with us some of the laws that the people in Florida are missing out on? Yes, Karen. So the, the big ones the, for your listeners in Florida, and anybody that may be out of state, it's really important to take a look at your uh, the statutes. Now, the Constitution is an important piece, but the statutes that govern day-to-day uh, living, the, the, uh, the statutes are very important. For example, in Florida, the two big ones, now there's six that we're focusing on, but the two big ones are Florida Statute 381 and Florida Statute 768. Florida Statute 381 is the uh, forced quarantine, forced treatment uh, statute in the state of Florida. It basically gives, and Sean can speak more specifically about it, but it basically gives the state health officer unlimited power to quarantine and treat people in mass or individually in the hospital, and that's happening. And then under Florida statute 768, that's hospital indemnity. So when it comes to COVID treatments, If you find yourself in the hospital for some reason, other than COVID, you happen to test positive with COVID, which they often do, uh, you're now gonna be uh, under the uh, the treatment protocols of the CDC, which we know don't really work. So the remdesivir and the vent, which is the primary protocol, has an 80% mortality rate. They don't work, but because it's CDC approved, uh, the hospital uses it, A lot of patients die from that protocol, and the hospital is therefore indemnified from the death based on uh, the statutes, in this particular case, Florida Statute 768. So that's a real problem for not only our seniors, but it's also a problem for everybody, because you you may not go to the hospital for COVID specifically. You could be in a car accident, you could have an injury, and then you wake up in the hospital and you have remdesivir in your arm and a vent down your throat. And it's, it's incentivized, by the way, under CARES Act, the biggest refunds that the hospital CEOs get is when they treat patients for COVID and they use those protocols. And if you pass away, even if you don't pass away, there is a very large CARES Act refund and the CMS, Medicare, Medicaid uh, monies flow under those uh, provisions. So we have to really educate uh, people about those two particular statutes, but there's more to it. We also have to really work on uh, patient-informed consent, patient preeminent bill of rights, and informed consent needs to be preeminent as well. It doesn't need to be subject to other fine print secondary laws that may uh, subjugate it. The, the forced quarantine, the forced treatment, medical passports, vaccine passports, and of course the always ominous hospital indemnity bill. So those are the, those are the things 
that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're living under, almost like a guillotine over our head, that people don't understand. They think because we have a certain governor that we're, or a certain administration that we're free, when in fact, statutorily, we, we are not. And many of the state representatives and state senators are not aware of these statutes. And they would only become aware of these statutes if they became an issue under perhaps a more liberal governor or, or some future administration. And that's too late to try to litigate those things when you're in the hospital fighting for your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sean, what exactly are in those statutes? I know that you are an attorney, but what can you tell the people to look for that they can go and talk to their representatives that they should be changing in those statutes? Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, almost every, and I know we got some listeners in Florida, some other places, almost every state in the country has a forced uh, quarantine isolation law. So uh, in the event that the state determines there's some dangerous virus or something going around, they all claim some authority uh, to quarantine, isolate people. They have different versions of it. Sometimes they have judicial process involved. Sometimes they don't. Um, you know, so you got to look at your state law. Most of them can use some improvements. Here in Florida, we have what I believe to be the most extreme uh, state authority to deal with a public health emergency. A public health emergency here in Florida can be called by one person, which is the state health officer, unelected official appointed, yet he or she, it's a currently a he, has the authority to say, hey, we're in a public health emergency. I need to do stuff. Uh, you might say, well, what stuff could this guy do? Well, under the statute, the statute says he can do five major things right away, which is he can quarantine people, he can isolate people. He can force people to be examined. He can force people to be tested. And he can also force people to take treatments, uh, all of those against your will. The Florida statute provides no direct access to a judicial remedy, right? So it doesn't say, you know, the state health officer has to go to court or you get a hearing before you get examined, tested, treated. It just says, you know, uh, go to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200, right? This is a direct deal. You go to the point of this and if you want to object to it somehow you're going to have to break out of this process and get to a judge and say i think this law is unconstitutional which as tom says it's a little too late a little too expensive it starts getting used uh florida also has another very extreme provision saying that not only can the state health officer order all this stuff but he can order the law enforcement officers of the state of florida to carry it out so uh he can basically deputize the police to you know, go force people to be examined, tested, treated against their will. Uh, the Florida legislature did remove the word vaccine from one code section, uh, but there's also a judge's guide out there where a group of judges have said that there could be a forced vaccine under a different code section because there's a code section 381.003 in Florida that says the state health officer can implement vaccination programs. And these judges have reasoned that that language of vaccination programs means the state health officer can force people to take vaccines against their will. So we'd have to see what would happen in a court case about that. But all of this is sitting out there, right? We have this explicit authority to do these very extreme things to force people to take medical treatments against their will upon the ordering of one person. Uh, and then also potentially we have the arguable authority for you know, all these other things that happen too. So Florida 
has the least protection for the individual rights, right? There's no path to kind of get a check and balance against the state health officer, at least under the current law that's been enacted in Florida, which is currently on the books in Florida. Um, so that's that's very scary. Uh, right now, your freedom in Florida basically comes from the governor not using the laws that are on the books. That's very interesting. By not using the laws, we have freedom. Implementing the laws is restriction, and there's no freedom. On the yeah, and, and because and because the laws are on the books right now, it's not you know if the legislature would take the laws off the books. You would essentially have the freedom until you could get a group of legislatures to agree to take your freedom away again. Right now, with the with the laws being on the books, the way I view it is, you know, the your freedom is gone because the legislature has handed all this power to the state health officer. And so, long story short, you're the reason you're medically free in Florida right now is because the current governor and the current state health officer aren't using the laws. But what will the next governor do? What will the next state health officer do? Your freedom could change overnight. Uh, at the whim of one or two people. Oh, and that is so important as to why we must make sure that we vote for the right people. But there will be a life in Florida after Governor DeSantis, and there will be a life after Dr. Uh, Latipo. And like Sean said, we're lucky that we have these two gentlemen looking out for the health and well-being of Florida, but they're not looking out for all the health and well-being. They're, this addresses COVID. What about uh, just a regular normal patient? And what happens to them if there's no COVID involved? What happens when they wind up in a nursing home? Um, and this is a in Florida, this should be a very high priority to make sure that, and I'm focusing on the elders right now because basically that's what's in Florida. Our demographics shift heavily on the elder side rather than on the uh, lower side, the children's side. And we have to make sure that if people are moving to Florida because they think Florida is a free state, um, what happens after Governor DeSantis and Dr. L uh, Latipo are no longer here. What could happen, Sean? I mean, it, literally, you know, a new administration, a new governor, uh, regardless of party, could decide. I mean, and we saw some signs of this in other states. They could decide, you know, hey, some future event is a major public health emergency, and they could start saying, hey, everybody's got a quarantine. Uh, that could be quarantine could be you can't leave your house. Uh, it could be, you know, we're going to take everybody, get, force everybody to take a test, right? We need to know who has or doesn't have this, whatever this new potential disease is, right? All of these are things that could literally happen in Florida, even with COVID. I mean, COVID's still floating around, could be floating around in a couple of years, could get a change of administration, could get somebody new who has a different viewpoint on COVID and said, okay, we got to do something major, right? We're going to force everybody in the state of Florida to take a COVID test, you know, next week. And we're going to see who has COVID and who doesn't. Those that have COVID are going to get shipped off to a quarantine camp. That's all currently statutorily authorized under Florida law. So we're, we're just sitting here waiting to see when this law will be abused. And I, and I will say this law was partially used. Uh, Tom's an airline pilot um, as part of his career. And, you know, he saw the people in the airports and I saw the forms as a lawyer uh, through through people sending it to me 
but they were actually getting people off planes and having them sign forms about where they were going, where they were going to quarantine, isolate, how long they were staying in Florida. And the bottom, they said, the state of Florida has the authority to force you to be examined, tested, treated, isolated, quarantined. They were forced, They were as if people were getting off the plane, they were making them fill out this form and sign their name to it before they let them leave. So um, this thing is not as dormant as people think they, it is because the state has already pulled it out as late as 2020 and you know exercise some authority under it so it's not just completely dormant right it could be used any day uh and it could be a real game changer because it's so extreme it doesn't have the avenues for you to get to the courthouse uh to get a judge involved to get some judicial review right you're gonna have to force that issue uh so it, it who knows how long this thing could be abused before we even get the opinion of a judge whether these laws are valid or constitutional well i'll give everybody a what if in Florida, if you don't vote, what if Charlie Crist becomes our governor? I believe, Tom, uh, that if Charlie becomes our governor, we're going to be in a position that is going to be no, no better than Michigan with uh, Governor Whitmer. I believe Charlie will go through all of the quarantine, all of the vaccine, all of the mandates, all of the things that we have been horrified at looking at other states. But that's where Charlie is headed. So, folks, it is so important that you vote. Um, Tom, what do you think would be the ramifications if we didn't get a Governor DeSantis? Well, a couple things. Uh, let me build a little bit of background. Florida is still a swing state. So there's, let me see if I can get the numbers right. There's 4.9 million registered Democrats. There's 5.1 million registered Republicans, and there's 3.9 million no party affiliation, what some people would call swing voters in the middle. So nobody knows which way those voters are going to break. And there's a ton of them, almost as many as each in the registered parties. So if people have an illusion in their minds that Florida is the great free state, which it is under Governor DeSantis, thank goodness we're grateful for him uh, and Dr. Latipo, but it could it could, it could go either way. So our approach is the important thing is to understand what civic duty means. Civic duty is more than just voting. Voting is Im important, but putting that aside for a moment within the, the realm of civics and civic duty. So we have as part of our, as residents and as residents of Florida and citizens of America, we do have a civic duty. The founders and framers intended in a, a constitutional republic that the, the citizens are involved in making these laws. But that's a long lost art. And so voting is important, yes, but there's 120 state reps in the state of Florida. There's a lot of them. There's 40 state senators. So our mission is to encourage constituents to go have these conversations with their state rep representatives. Their district offices are probably within 20 to 30 minutes of where you live. They're your neighbors. Get to know the legislative assistant and go have these conversations with them throughout the year regularly about these statutes. And Sean and I are working uh, very hard to get an abbreviated um, list of these statutes and the talking points associated with them. And get these out to the constituents so they can go and talk 
to their state rep so that when they go to regular session in the spring of 2023, they have the tools in their hands that they need to make improvements to the statutes, to some of these statutes. We'd like to get all six of them, but if we can just get two of them, 381 and 768, improved, then we will have uh, made a huge step forward in protecting we the people. But this is more than just voting, ladies and gentlemen. Your civic duty not only is, is voting and showing up for jury duty, but it's a three-legged stool. The third leg is that you must fulfill your civic duty. You must talk to your state representatives about medical freedom laws in your state. And if you're not doing that, it's a three-legged stool that doesn't stand. It creates a vacuum. And what fills that vacuum? Lobbyists fill that vacuum. The number one lobbyist that does that oftentimes is big pharma. Big pharma money is in every legislator's campaign funds at the federal and state level. It's recorded on the Florida Department of State website. You can see it. You can find it. You can see very clearly every state representative, every state senator, every U.S. congressman, every U.S. senator has money from big pharma in their campaigns. It's almost a given. It's an automatic. So if the constituents don't relearn the full scope of civic duty and participate in and involve themselves in self-governance the way the founders and framers intended, that creates a vacuum, which we have today. Big pharma, hospital associations, other powerful lobbyists will fill those voids, and then your state le legislators will be beholden to those lobbyists. And they will make laws that benefit them and not we, the people, as the founders and framers intended. And that's what's got us in trouble to this point. Now, are we going to get 90% of the, of the population involved in uh, constituent engagement with their state representatives? And I'm not talking about talking to federal representatives. I'm just talking state representatives. There's 120 state reps in the state of Florida, 120 district offices. It's designed that way to make it convenient. Will we get everybody? No. But if we can get 10%, if we can get five people in each of the 120 district offices talking to the legislative assistants, then that's a huge leap forward. And when we go to regular legislative session in Tallahassee, for example, in Florida in March, now we've got some, we've got some traction. But the lobbyists are ever-present, and they're powerful, and they're backed by a lot of money. And we shouldn't throw our arms up and say, well, I can never overcome the lobbyists. Yes, you can. We are the great untapped resource. There's, what it, let's do the math, for a 12, there's 12 million minimum, 12 million people, registered people, constituently active people in the state of Florida. That's a lot of people. And if a fraction of those people got involved, that would be overwhelmingly powerful in the legislative process. And I will tell you that your state reps and your state senators love it when the constituents come in to the office and say, these are the statutes I'm concerned about. I will help you understand them. I'm very educated on them. And I will also help you figure out a way to get these things in a bill. And that's the key to civic duty. If you don't remember one thing out of this interview, remember 
civic duty. Put that in your brain. Now, we just came out of a, of a Florida COVID summit with leading uh, doctors in Ocala from around the country and some from around the world, and they are begging, asking for constituents to get involved in this manner. My saying is this, the MDs and the JDs have been fighting this battle for far too long. And the rest of the constituents and civilian population need to get off the couch, put the remote down, grab some knowledge that, that you can gain. If you go to our website, movefreelyamerica.org, get in touch with your, uh, your state director in the state that you live in. You can find it there. And they will equip you with the talking points, and you can go have these conversations. I'll say it again. The MDs and the JDs, the doctors and lawyers, have been carrying this fight for a year. It's Tom, now time. hold yes. that thought. We are going to be going to a break. This is very important, folks. We're going to have Tom Ulrich and Sean McBride coming back again, and we're going to be talking about the importance of working with your legislators. Uh, do not go away, folks. We will be right back. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And the Alliance is fighting similar issues, but in school. So we have to talk about what's going on in school as well. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at CofixRx.com. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, there's an old saying, 
that I remember hearing often when I was a kid. And it says that there is none so blind as those who will not see. And this is what we are dealing with in America today. We have too many groups of people that are busy sticking their heads in the sand and saying, no, this is not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen on my watch. It's always those other people. They're the ones that are going to get caught. Folks, that's not true. This is a direct assault by the globalists on we the people. They must get rid of America. They must get rid of American, the American way of life. They cannot have this way of life being shown to the rest of the world because the rest of the world might want the same thing. And that can't happen. So this is a concerted effort to destroy any segment of the American culture and the economic community as possible to show the world that America is a failure. And America only fails when our people refuse to pay attention. And that's why we are so important to take this information. It is so important to take the information that you get from our show and share it. Much of the information that you hear today um, I will share on my Substack, and that is karenshone.substack.com. Please go and visit, and you will see the wonderful guests that we have, their bios, their information, and information that you can take with you. This past weekend, I went to a local fair, and I brought with me a fact sheet just to see what would happen. And this fair was in a community that is very mixed, we had all stripes were there, and I gave out this sheet of paper that had the definitions of the acronyms of the words that are being used that they never tell us what they are. They never tell us what they mean, but they just expect us to accept them. We cannot accept anymore. It is most important that we pay attention and do not accept, but enforce and what are, what are we going to enforce? Our laws. And we have to make sure that our representatives represent us, we the people. We are the ones that elected them, and we have to make sure that they follow what we say. Tom, your organization focuses a lot on how people can contact and get in touch with their legislators. Would you share that information with us? I'm yes, of course. I'd be, I'd be uh, happy to. Th thank you, Karen. So your listeners can go to movefreelyamerica.org. Movefreelyamerica.org. When you get there, there's a number of uh, resources where you can locate the, and again, we're focused at the state level. We believe that getting the statutes in your state right get them strong get constituents involved in making them better working with your legislators is the key so the resources to do that are there you'll find us that we're in 31 states we're not in all 50 states we're in 31 states we have about seven or eight that are very very active but the resources to contact your state directors in those states are available and then in many cases the phone numbers are right there uh, email contact information, and you can get involved by contacting uh, these folks. 
We are grassroots, all volunteer. Um, you can make a donation if you want, but we don't really solicit donations. We believe that as constituents, everybody needs to be involved in a constitutional republic in self-governance. So this isn't about somebody else doing the work for you. This is about you empowering yourself to fulfill your civic duty. And that's what our website allows you to do. Also, if your listeners go to your website, Karen, they read my bio and they have my contact information there, feel free to contact me, call, text, email, and I'll point you in the right direction, equip you, give you all the information you need to get moving. But we need people involved at the state level. We have other uh, social media platforms that can help us connect, but the key is to, to stay engaged and networked at your state level with other like-minded uh, folks in order to expand our reach, expand our ability to influence in the form of uh, self-governance, states' rights, state sovereignty. Oh, thank you, Tom. That's so important, folks. Sean, you focus, you're an attorney, so you focus on the legal side of which most people don't understand. So maybe you can explain those statutes, what's in the key things so that our listeners can share that with their representatives. And folks, please understand, you can become the expert. Your elected official does not have nearly the amount of knowledge that you have when you pick a topic and dive into that topic and become the expert on that topic. That's your job. That's yep. the job that you should bring to your legislator. Look, sir, look at what I have discovered. I want to share that with you. And we're going to be looking to do a bill of to change that information. You've got to get these people on your side. So Sean, can you share what we need to uh, fixate on on those bills in Florida? Well, I think earlier we talked about the forced treatment law and I think, you know, that's as simple as having a conversation if you if you disagree with it like many people do and say, look, I don't think it's appropriate that one person in the state of Florida can do so much that they can force people to be examined, tested, treated, quarantined, isolated. That's way too much power for one person. Uh, we need some checks and balances on this thing. Uh, most states limit the quarantine isolation, right? So if you have some, if you have some disease or something that comes in the future and you're unwilling to take some experimental medical treatment or whatever to tell you to do, you know, quarantine or isolation should be appropriate, right? That's, that's enough. Uh, you go separate yourself from society. You take your treatment plan with your doctor or whatever. I mean, the, the only purpose of these laws is public health. It's not to allow a dictatorship, right? So why do you need more tools than being able to tell people they have to separate themselves from everybody else so they can't spread disease around? Uh, to start saying that the state has the power to you know, determine who gets medically examined, what medical tests you take, because, of course, every medical test has risks with it, too. Um, and then, you know, who gets uh, treated? I mean, that's really way too far. So, right, that's one conversation to have. This hospital indemnity bill that, that Tom has raised uh, is another issue, right? The fact that we're essentially the state of Florida law encourages hospitals financially uh, to do what the CDC says. There's no incentive for them to innovate. And it leads to a lot of people getting the care they don't want. Doctor free speech, you know, the doctor free speech bill died last session. Um, but, you know, doctors need to be able to speak their opinions and disagree with the CDC and FDA if it's a validly held opinion that they have reasons for, right? We need to have scientific debate. 
uh, Florida law, we never got the protections in there to allow fully open scientific debate. The nurses have been threatened uh, in, the, in one of their winter quarterlies. There was a threatening letter sent saying that nurses might be come after if they disagree with the CDC or FDA uh, publicly. So um, these are the types of things where people need to go in and say, look, we want comprehensive medical freedom for the state of Florida. And I've given you three or four specific examples here. But what they really need to say is, you know, we expect you to back the bill. And right now, Tom and I are working on drafting points. We think we may potentially have some sponsors. So there will probably be a bill there for the next session at some point and say, we want comprehensive medical freedom. And we, we're not backing down, right? We, we want you to fix Florida. We don't want headlines that say medical freedom. We don't want stories about one provision or another provision of Florida law. We want you, Mr. or Mrs. Representative or Senator, to get in there and make sure that we have comprehensive medical freedom. And it's good for everybody, right? It's the right thing to do. It's consistent with core American values, right? We're supposed to have freedom and liberty, particularly over what's more personal than your own body and your medical choices. Sean, I wanted to ask you a question as an attorney. The CDC just place the COVID vaccine, which has never been tested, never been proven, and now we're seeing is causing, I feel, many deaths. Uh, they have pushed that onto the vaccine for uh, required vaccinations for kids to go to school. Our Surgeon General and Governor said not in our state. What will happen to, what? what is the ramification of something like that. There were several governors that said not in our state. So what happens? Who, Which law do the people have to follow? How is that going to work if the feds say you must and the states say, we're not going to do that here? Yeah, I mean, this is a this has become a growing issue. This is not a, this is a, this is uniquely well, it's not uniquely American issue, but it's a very strong American issue because of the founding of our country. Right. And then one of the real questions is, the balance of state and federal power, and there's been a lot of fights over it lately. In particular, uh, as the federal government has, you know, particularly now, wanted to become more powerful. The states, a lot of states, want to claim back their powers. Um, basically, the federal government can do what they call preemption. If they write laws that are within federal power, uh, they can potentially overwrite the state laws. But the states are saying, "Hey, this is outside the bounds of what you can do as a federal government." So, uh, certainly, the federal government can write guidelines and say recommendations right they, they don't they don't necessarily have the force of law um if you go to article one section eight of the u.s constitution and i always cite that but very few people read it uh there's about 18 enumerated powers of the federal government what the federal government is supposed to be able to do uh, you know set up a post office have a military uh, do patents and trademarks it's, it's very limited but the one big one is the interstate commerce clause so that's where a lot of this fight is is this interstate commerce is this not interstate commerce um you know cdc guidelines is certainly in my opinion not interstate commerce it's just a recommendation now the question is what happens with those recommendations and that's where it starts getting complex so a number of states like florida have said okay we're not going to follow your recommendations federal government that's okay uh, the problem is the federal government starts finding different ways to creep those recommendations in, right, into Medicare reimbursements, into hospital reimbursements, into, you know, there's also, you know, private incentives, you know, drug companies, pharmas that that will say, hey, you know, they, they go to doctors and they doctors get bonuses for following the vaccine schedule and getting all their, get, getting a certain percentage of their patients 
follow the vaccine schedule. So there's many indirect ways where even if a state says, hey, we're not going to do what the CDC says, uh, there's a lot of indirect ways because the federal budget is so large and they can just keep printing money to get their way. Uh, because of that, they, the federal government can really use those economic levers, which are getting very good at, uh, to try to get their way. So that's what we're going to see, right? We're going to see us fight over whether federal government really can force the state to do anything. Uh, but what what's happening right now in a lot of cases is the federal government is using their economic levers uh, to force issues and to really the states just keep losing because the federal government has such large piles of money uh, that they eventually capitulate and do what the federal government says because there's too much money involved. So we have to be vigilant and make sure that our legislators put in place the right laws that will protect us, not the laws that will protect the federal government and what they're saying. And that comes under emergency powers. All of these things, um, I believe, Sean, are used under emergency powers where they get to say, well, we'll trash whatever is uh, in the Constitution. We don't have to pay attention to the Constitution. This is an emergency. People are dying, blah, blah, blah. So you have to follow this protocol. Is that the way it works? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that thinking out there, right? I mean, that you know, what's interesting is, I mean, you know, and many people, I've seen this in memes, I've seen other people point it out. I mean, there's no clause in the Constitution that says, you know, this is our Constitution except in a case of emergency, right? There is no really emergency out in the Constitution. The Supreme Court has started to write that in judicially, you know, in a couple of their cases with this pandemic say, well, you know, you can't take away people's constitutional rights, but, you know, it's an emergency. And even the Supreme Court has now started to recognize this kind of emergency power, which isn't in the Constitution. Our job as citizens is to say enough is enough, right? We need to be watching our state legislators. We need to be saying we want you to do the right thing. Uh, we need to help them resist this federal you know, encroachment through regulatory power and money placement. We need to say, hey, you know, don't go into that system, right? I know you want the money. I know it's easier to budget dollars from this federal printing of money than to tax your local citizens, but we don't want you to be so crazy about collecting federal dollars that you put the rights of the citizens to the side. This is why we need to be citizen activists, as Tom will always tell you. You know, we need to be watching. If we're not watching, you know, they're just going to do with the lobbyists, special interests, whatever's easiest, whatever gets the best headlines. It's citizens that are, you know, looking at the details, that are reading the lines, that are talking to these people. They're watching how the federal dollars are corrupting the state decisions. That it's that that's going to get to positive uh, laws and positive change. So that's why we need to be active. We need to be watching. We need to be talking to these people and saying, "No, don't just give in for federal dollars. We want you to do what's right for the citizens of our state." Absolutely, Tom. You focus a lot on what the citizen can do, and in the uh, we have about ten minutes left, so. What can you tell our audience? What are the key things that they should be looking at, uh, especially looking at your legislation when you complete it? But what should they be looking at and going after in their own state? That's a great question, Karen. So the, the, the best way perhaps to understand this is put yourself in the, in the shoes of a state representative or state legislator. If your constituent never shows up, if none of your constituents ever come into your office, who do you listen to? And so these state representatives 
every time the federal government comes out with a decree and and tramples on our constitutional rights, they just roll over and say, yep, well, the federal government said it, so we may as well do it. And when I challenge them and ask them about states' rights and state sovereignty and the laws in that state, they say, well, we, you know, and I ask them, why do we have laws in our state if all we do is allow the federal government to run roughshod over our rights? So the problem is the constituents are absent. Your listeners need to understand that there needs to be a major paradigm shift. The constituent needs to understand that it's important to rethink your civic duty, revisit that, get involved with your state representative, find out where your legislator's district office is, talk to your legislative assistant, get on a first name basis with that person. The state representative or state senator, those are generally part-time jobs and they switch out every two to four years. The the legislative assistant is full-time. They're there all the time. So start forming a relation on your way to the gym or on your way to go get groceries. Stop by, buy them a cup of coffee, introduce yourself, get on a first-name basis, and start building that into your habit pattern. Until we do that statewide, nothing is going to change. This is going to be a political football that goes back and forth endlessly. And, and if you think about what Dr. Latipo um, and Governor DeSantis have, they have what we give them. So they, they can say that they're not going to follow CDC guidelines, but they're under tremendous pressure. And if the laws that we help enact through our state representatives don't reflect their ability to say no or push back, then they can say one thing, but the laws say another. And so they don't have the tools. We haven't given the governor and the state health officer the tools that they need uh, to, to be able to tell the federal government, no, we're not going to comply with that. And then it becomes a collective thing amongst the majority of the states. And then we have the ability to push back. Because remember, there is a balance between state and federal power. But these medical issues, these contagion control issues is a state's right thing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. The the founders and framers never intended for the federal government to have this much power. It's crazy. They declare an emergency and they take the constitution and throw it out the window. And the constituents get upset. They don't really understand what to do. They may go out and do a rally. They may go do a train of some sort, wave some flags, but they never move the political needle, right? This isn't a tailgating exercise. And that's all people really understand. The, the very unsexy thing of educating yourself about medical freedom laws in your state, getting some talking points, work with my organization, go to the website, and then walk into your state rep's district office and talk to them and say, listen, these laws are not good. We need to do better than this because we're tired of being trampled on by the federal government. And until, until the constituents at the state level do this, and again, we're focused at the state level. My organization is one of the few organizations in the country doing this. Matter of fact, I have yet to find another one. I would love to and partner with them. We have to focus on state uh, level activism, getting the constituents involved, making these statutes even better. Florida is a great place to do that because we have an excellent governor, our state health officer. However, it is a constituent engagement exercise that must happen. 
nobody, the saying my organization has is nobody's coming to save us. It's now time for that great, fast, untapped resource, which is the millions and millions of constituent residents in the state to get involved like they've never been involved before, do something they've never done, a massive paradigm shift. And dozens of these people every month going in and talking to their state representatives saying, we're done with this. Because if we don't, this is just going to keep going. They're going to keep running this play over and over again. And Karen, you talked about the globalist agenda and how that plays in to what the politicians can do to enrich themselves. And the big farm of money is just going to keep flowing. And it's going to go into the pockets of our, our legislators at the federal and state level unless the constituents give them an alternative, offer something new. And that needs to happen at the state level. I'm not saying federal. Let's focus at the state level. We do have resources lined up and prepared for the federal level, but that's a discussion for another day. The biggest thing we, we can do, Karen, is get constituents involved at the state level. So please, I'm pleading with your listeners that if you're not involved with your state representative, go to the, to the state website, find out who that state rep is. There's a search bar in there where you can plug in your zip code. It'll tell you exactly who they are, where their district office is, and you can start getting involved. And if you use our website, you get the tools that you need. You can walk in there and have a, a simple conversation and get this done. Uh, what parting words in about two minutes can you give everyone, Sean? Uh, what would you want them? To, what would you want us to do? Well, you've seen the start here, folks. Folks, I mean, it's pretty simple. Get involved in these laws. Um, start talking to your representatives about them. You know, join us. Amfreedomii.com. That's the American Freedom Information Institute that I'm involved with. Get on our mailing list. We also have a Substack, um, but you can get on our regular email list at our website. Uh, just keep being informed, keep talking to your reps and, you know, make this part of your regular work, right? Every, every week, spend an hour or two, you know, monitoring what's happening and dropping emails or notes or going to the occasional meeting with your rep. If all of us did that level of work, some of us more, but if everybody dropped an hour or two a week into this and stayed engaged, these laws would change very quickly and we'd be living in a different America. So that's what we need. We need everybody to jump in, put some hands at this. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing, folks? Remember, that's our job. Our job doesn't end on November 8th after you've voted. Our job begins on November 8th after you have voted, because we, there will be a new group of people in most legislator, legislatures, and therefore, those are the ones that will have to be contacted. Tom, what parting words uh, can you offer? Thank you, Karen. It this is not for your listeners, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a partisan issue. When you walk into your state rep's office, they're not going to have a D or an R on the door. And you're not going to have a D or an R or something on your chest, on your shirt or your lapel or something like that. It's not like that. These legislative assistants, these state reps, they're waiting for you. They want you to come and help them. Don't walk into their office and bang your fist and demand and and walk off. An email is not going to do it. This type of thing is designed by the founders and framers to be person to person, P2P. Civic duty is two people talking and collaborating and working together. So please, your representatives and their legislative assistants who manage the workflow in the office 
are waiting for you. They want you to come in. They would much rather have you than a lobbyist in their office, but it's not a one and done. It's not an email, hit send and walk away because it'll just go to the bottom of the inbox. This needs to be something you do, as Sean mentioned, and my organization supports is an hour a week, cumulative, five hours a month, four hours a month, an hour a week, where you're talking to your state representative's office in their district, talk to the legislative assistant and start navigating some of this stuff and getting it going. In Florida, now is the time. The election is upon us. We will have new people in office um, and we start regular session in the spring in March. Let's give them the tools that they need to make things better in the state of Florida. Let's give Governor DeSantis better statutes and Dr. Ladipo better statutes to work with so the federal government can't trample on our rights again in the future. Oh, this is wonderful advice. And also, folks, remember this. You going and seeing your representative, they think in terms of numbers. So every time you are in direct contact with your representative or their office, they count it as 100 people. What we have to do is show our numbers. There is more of us than them. But if we remain the silent majority, nobody will know that. And that would be a horrible thing. So your job, folks, remember, I'm a teacher. I always give homework. Your job is to go and check out the websites that you were just giving. amfreedomii.com is uh, Sean's website. And movefreelyamerica.org is Tom's website. Please, folks, get in touch. Pay attention. And let's take make sure that this legislative season has enough bills in it that are or that have been given to them by we the people and not by they the lobbyists. Thank you all for listening. This is Karen Schoen. You have been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. See you again next week. And oh my goodness, that will be after the election. Let us all pray that the right people get elected. Thank you all for listening. America is America.